So there's been a lot of uh, flooding here in Texas of late. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, rain, it's, it's a current trend that we haven't experienced in a while. All of us are old enough that we remember beyond like a few weeks ago. And if you'll recall, <laughs> over the past, uh, you know, several years, rain has not been a thing around here. So I, I ask each of you, what are you going to do with all this excess water? Uh, I'm well, I know what Matt Ray's going to do. He's getting the <laughs> fuck out of here. I like it's it's too wet here. I'm going to Australia. <laughs> I don't like the moisture. He's get he's getting a residential diaper rash. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I do like the news of the rain, though. The way it's been covered for a long time during our drought period is it would rain, followed by someone saying it's not the right kind of rain. It was always the never the right kind of rain. The rain was in the wrong place. It was too fast. It was too slow. It was just like this just went on for years. And it was always like, what is the right rain? And we found it. And evidently, it's just a lot of rain what just west of Austin. So yeah, I, I, if I remember the right kind of rain is, is uh, it has to be like forceful because you, you have to penetrate the ground service, sur- uh, surface. <laughs> So you've got to you've got to mud it up so that the water trickles down underneath or something. I mean, I'm no soilologist. I think that's a technical term. But uh, oh, oh wait, you have a geology, don't you? Matt, right? I actually have a hydrogeology. Tell us about rocks. No, <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's what our listeners are here for. That's more important. Like, why do you have that degree, Matt Ray? Like, what, like, what, what went on there? Uh, well, you know, I I really enjoyed college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I I I had several majors and uh, I pinned down in in geology long enough to grab a degree and I, I changed majors uh, again the week I graduated uh, to computer science mm. so mm. I, I actually have two two undergraduate degrees um, <laughs> geology with a uh, hydro environmental geology specialist specialty wow. Yeah. So you really know this stuff. You you must go to that little uh, that little uh, trackball bearing museum down there at Barton Springs. Oh yeah! And boom! I'm all over this. Yeah, yeah. And nobody ever wants to hear about that stuff, so I keep it to myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I switched to CS, and you know the rest is history. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, we we uh, we have gotten a lot of rain, but I don't think that's what people you know usually <laughs> tune in to listen about. So what is the right kind of rain, Matt Ray? We're, we're getting it. They left flood somebody else, <laughs> flood out somebody else, and let us have the the, the groundwater. That sounds great. That's, that's uh, cool. Well, speak, speaking of rain, I, I think uh, I think there's a topic that will lace through a lot of of typical uh, sort of software defined top top topics, if you will, and that is apparently. The, the, the wealthy people over in the Silicon Valley, we will call them the, the unicorn farmers. They've been raining money on lawsuits for people. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, you've got that, uh, that Peter Thiel fellow. Did yep. I say his name right? Sure. And uh, he's, he's been funding some lawsuits against people, which, which has just kicked up all sorts of opinion, which, yeah. which I, think, uh, I, I think is fascinating. Well, it's, it's, always, it's, it's almost like a uh, reverse triple test of sort of like uh, freedom libertarian like notions when private citizens fund other private citizens to sue other private corporations and, and seeing how that susses out and, and what it says about how people think. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the, the flip side, you know, so he, uh, for, for those who, you know, haven't followed along, he, he was mad at Gawker media. Uh, they, they outed him uh, years ago against his wishes 
And uh, eight, eight years later, he funded a lawsuit against them um, try and, and to essentially the plan was to bankrupt them. And he was just like, this is a grudge and I've got the bankroll to, to, uh, to bankrupt them. And for their appeal, so Gawker lost against Hulk Hogan and uh, for their appeal, they have to post like a $50 million bond or something like that. Mm. And so another billionaire steps in to, to, to fund the appeal. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I hadn't followed and this part. I think it's uh, is it Pierre Odemeyer yeah, yeah. from uh, eBay fame, right? Yeah. And oh. so those guys apparently, like back in the eBay days, didn't get a They lot. got a PayPal grudge. Yeah, they have a PayPal yeah. grudge. And then, and then, of course, the New York Times is like, guys, guys, can't we just leave the billionaires out of the media? <laughs> and, and you know, meanwhile, they're funded by uh, Carlos Slim, the, you know, the, the number two or three richest man in the world. So it's like... Yeah. Nobody, nobody has clean hands in this. Uh, this large. So, for, first of all, we can agree that of all billionaires, Carlos Slim has the most awesome name. <laughs> so, he really just lucked out there. I don't know if that's a name that I mean, Slim doesn't sound like a Spanish name, but I'm I'm willing to just like float the idea that he was on his birth certificate, Carlos Slim. Boom. <laughs> that that is a name that sets you up pretty well. <laughs> what? Man, speaking of billionaires and, and names, so so we're just going to go down the, the whole Donald Trump thing, <laughs> changing your names for success. Um, I, but I do think back to the field thing. I think it's fascinating because of this. Because I'm going to again more generalizations here, but it sets up a nice conversation. It's like most people, I think, accept that like outing him was was really just you know uh, attention a way to for gawker just to drive traffic there was no i would say the consensus is there's no newsworthiness of that information so it was and i think generally people think like that was an unfair thing that happened to him like yeah. and most people felt like he was wrong like hey you shouldn't that's something that you should not have done so so you are peter thiel and most of the time right people that in the situation they do not have any power so it's just like sorry that happened to you that sucks there's nothing you can do about it right yep. but in this case it's like wow this guy has a lot of money and then you must respect him any i i actually really do like i feel like i can hold a grudge for a long time but this guy it may be the best. Like you just wait for 10 years to go get even. So that part is incredible. Just the patience of it. But what should he like, what would be the appropriate response? Like he could have just taken it like up. Oh, I got outed, you know, I'll get over it. Um, but because he has money, he can actually do something. And then people are really upset that he actually did something. And I think this is, and I want to tie this to like the little people like myself in corporate America, everyone works for large companies your silence is either bought or enforced, right? You get like, I've known multiple people who've left the company and they've gone to different places and they've gotten these nasty letters like about non-competes and like, and really they just scare people, right? There's, there's maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but people just usually say, Hey, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't afford to fight this. So is there a time, like, has Peter Thiel gone too far? And then they say, is there any appropriate response he could have done where people wouldn't be so hard on him? And I do fully admit Peter Thiel, half crazy just like just on the edge of total crazy so that makes oh, yeah. it even more fun fun talk to talk about him as well brandon is is he the crazy one or are we all the rest of us the crazy maybe, ones maybe I, he looks crazy he's to me pretty, but, he's pretty crazy you know, yeah, he, look, you know zero to one you know it's pretty good but it's kind of crazy too yeah, yeah. i mean I, he, I, you know, he's funding the the seasteading org and 
Uh, he's prominent Trump endorser. Um, you know, so probably he's a good VP candidate. <laughs> but in this one instance, though, it's like he was wronged in like, should he have done anything? Yeah. I mean, it's like you can hate both. I mean, you can, you know, you can hate on both sides. And I, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, you know, I mean, clearly Gawker did him wrong. And uh, clearly uh, <laughs> his his response kind of opened a Pandora's box of, you know, or, or maybe, or maybe it really it didn't open a Pandora's box. It just let people know this kind of stuff happens all the time. Right. And that's the part I think is interesting, like, especially on the journalistic side, right. And the media side, and again, more like I'm not involved in like this kind of like scandalous media, only if I had a life or job that allowed me to, but like the tech media, right. Like you see narratives get created all the time. I media some, I mean, because they're making things interesting and you know, they're wrong, right? You read the quotes or you read information about a company that you have specific information about and you know, this is a hundred percent wrong. And, but you know, you generally don't say anything, right? Cause it's not your place or that would upset someone. Or, 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 you know, that the, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the reporter or, you know, the analyst or whoever is like, they're getting paid to say these things. And, and so then it's like, how much do you trust the media source? You know, it's like there, there's a sliding scale of, you know, the, the purest and most holiest uh, to, you know, it's, you know, pay, it's pay for play. And, you know, they're just, you know, right, signing their names on, on press releases. I, you know, I, I think this is where my, uh, my undergraduate degree comes in handy. That being in philosophy, where oh. you basically spend your time figuring out uh, one, I think you've tried to figure out two things in philosophy. The first one is how should I conduct myself daily? And, and the second is, given that things will never be perfect, how do I prevent myself from committing suicide? <laughs> that's, that's sort of like the driving narrative. At, at, at some point, philosophy was trying to determine, you know, truth with the capital T and all that. And the Germans destroyed that in the 1800s. So nowadays, you're just trying to figure out the Camusian thing of like, I'd, I'd like to keep living. And how do I make that mentally possible? So, I think I, I think it's I think in this case, for philosophy, by the way, I, yeah, I, just, I yeah. feel like that came across. I don't know if a lot of people are going to philosophy after that. Well, I, I, is, you know, is there I don't, a good German word for the philosophy of how do I live with myself? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't think there's been a lot of advancements or funding for philosophy in the past hundred years. So, uh, it kind of, it kind of, uh, you know, rid itself out of a job. And well, uh, pass know, that off to other people. Back when, back speaking of undergrad degrees, back when I was in computer science, you know, that was the CS department funded the philosophy department. Mm, yes, they, yeah. they 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 had like well, logic, you know, logic and recursion has to be taught somewhere. We'll, we'll pay the philosophy department to do it. <laughs> and yeah. that was like, well, you know, you know like, maybe maybe uh, maybe I'm, if I ever become a billionaire, I, I'd like to fund a chair at the UT philosophy department called like Cote's Endowment for Fuck All That Shit, and oh, it'll just oh, be the just be the study of hanging out. No, and, could and we make it like a a, a a a a dual a dual seat with the CS department, and it could be like the the software nihilism seat. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> well, Cote, I want I want you to finish off. So, okay, when okay, okay. So, not I, I, I think, I think and what go. I think I think the first framing you have to do for this 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 topic is is uh, one. There's a legal framing, and then two. There's a moral framing, right? And I think legally, I don't know anything as as is well established. I am neither a doctor, lawyer, accountant, or sort of financial prognosticator. 
but like, I think it's clear that whatever deal Gawker had with their insurance company didn't work out. So someone needs to go revisit that fine print, right? Like it should not be the case that if someone sues you for libel, the, the sewer can determine that your insurance doesn't kick in, right? And, and also like, I'm pretty sure that LLC means limited liability and corporations are set up to limit liability, all of this stuff. And it's kind of like something's wrong with the legal system such that suing someone could cause them to break down. Like, I think, I think, again, not being morally about it, we should have a legal structure in place that allows pretty much as scandalous as it wants to be the press to print whatever they want without threat of being destroyed. I mean, that's, that's what I would call a, a cherished legal right that we have in the American system. Now, there's all sorts of problems with that. We also got a little problem with that Second Amendment. Everyone forgets the well-organized militia part, but, you know, they can't be expected to read past a comma. But there are sorts of all problems that we have uh, with our legal system, but it's what we have. And once you start fucking with that, it's just cats and dogs and eating dog food with a wooden spoon situation. So you don't want that. So, so I mean, that's that's pretty much how the U.S. operates, though, is – is we find you know the loophole and then we exploit the heck out of it. That's know, right. We're, we we the founding fathers were the original users of the chaos monkey. They were like, "Fuck QAing this, ship it. We'll, we'll do it live <laughs> and we'll sort it out in production." Which is simply the approach that we have to the legal system. Is just like, "Yep, when as bugs arise, we'll fucking fix them and do a monkey patch." So so that's fine, no problem. But so legally, like someone's got to sort that out because that's just unacceptable in in the structure that we have, right? You cannot, we cannot operate as, I mean, information is like the raw material you need in a free society to be all soapboxy. And like, you can't operate if people are afraid to to talk, which starts to get to the points that, that Brandon's talking about. You know, also this implies that this whole notion of like, Anytime you sign a 50-page document with any entity with more power in you and it says something about arbitrage versus courts and all this, that's also a bunch of nonsense. But, like, I don't know how to solve that, right? Like, it, it should be the case that people can't be shut down for talking about things. Now, obviously, this gets into a gray area, again, which I'll cut myself off from, of, of liability and, like, things, and not liability, um, what's the word? Libel. And, and things like that. But again, that's another area where I think there's decades and decades of like court rulings about what's, what's good and what's not. And like, if you want to sue someone for libel, I think you can go to Britain and they're all over that shit. Whereas over here in the US, not so cool, right? Like if, if you, it's, it's just, I think it was it Harry Truman or FDR who said, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? That's just kind of how, how our system of libel operates. Sure. Now, you know, this is whatever. So morally, uh, yeah, it's pretty reprehensible on both sides, right? Like, like my understanding is that like, uh, the dude was like, Hey, I would like you not to out me. And then Gawker was like, Hey, how about fuck you? And, and so like that situation is not cool, right? Like that, that doesn't really like, there's no reason. It's just like, there's plenty of other scandalous muckracking stuff Gawker can do to get page views rather than sort of like, you know, outing someone. That's just like, there's no excuse for that shit. Uh, and, and like, on the other hand, using a uh, ex-pro wrestler to sort of like extract your revenge on a company and shut them down. And it's the company part that's annoying. Like, if you had a grudge match against like an individual and you just wanted to relentlessly take them out, 
again, celebrated in American culture. Have fun. <laughs> but like, if you want to like go, go to Twitter, like the rest of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no problem. Twitter. All you got to do is, 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 you know, write a number followed by a slash in the space and you can write as many pesto shit in Twitter as you want. And, and like, that's great. But, you know, I think Paul Ford covered this best, uh, is that when you go and you sue a company like Gawker, you're not only like threatening hundreds of jobs that, that, uh, that, uh, that that company has, but also you've got this ripple effect of like muting yeah. and shutting down other media people. And like, again, that's not fucking cool, right? Like you should go against like the, uh, you need to be like, have laser precision to go against what you hate and not, and really limit your blast radius cool. of and, and and to tie it back to the rest of the software industry, it's there. There are you know when when you when you look at startups and you're like, oh, how are they going to make their money? How they're going to grow and everything? You you make the assumption that there's some sort of level playing field. You know that right um, that you know, hey, this little you know this monitoring startup versus that monitoring startup. You know, whoever's got the best tech is going to win. But then you have players who aren't motivated by money. Or they have so much money that they don't care that they can just tilt the the, the playing field however they want, and and so you know, when you look at how you know, we, you know we've talked a lot about uh, about Google's cloud strategy previously, like you know what are they doing over there? How come you know they're not going and, and going after the enterprises? And you know it's it was kind of spelled out to me that like Google's playing a long game. Their long game is to not let anyone else in the market you know no one's going to sneak up behind them and they're just going to keep lowering the price and you know providing a better feature right. set over the you know over the the two players who are in front of them until those players can't compete either and and, and you know they're not motivated by money i, I yeah. mean they, they they have so much money that they're not motivated by you know oh we got to get to four billion you know or we got to get to five billion or whatever it's like no, in twenty years we're going to own all this. Yeah, and 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 then that 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 raises up the the point Brandon was making that I neglected to address is like so if if you if you maybe it's stepping in or stepping back I don't know which lean it is so to speak but like there is something to be admired tactically about the whole situation right one uh, you know uh, having a, a plan that lasts more than a few weeks on on the West Coast is is uh, <laughs> that, that shows some quality. So you've got like a 10-year plan or strategy that was put into yeah. effect that, that was effective. So, so that's great. And then, and then two, uh, like all of this moral outrage, like it is not, it has nothing to do with like richness, right? Like it's just like, if you make money, that's great. If you're, if you're in a position of power, that's wonderful. I think, I, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, the system that we have set up and that I think, I think we like is, is a pretty like, laissez-faire kind of like do what you can sort of thing but again you know legally the structure needs to be set up where the the blast radius doesn't really affect people too much and i think i think it does sort of peel back a little bit of the cover of uh large powerful entities be they individuals or companies taking advantage of less powerful people and yeah. and you know the the important thing is is not so much each incident but uh uh I don't know, going back to our chaos monkey thing, like what's, what's the root cause of how the underdog keeps suffering, right? Like how, how can we make sure the underdog doesn't get unduly taken advantage of? And what does that even mean? But I, I think, I think uh, 
Yeah. I mean, you, you don't, you don't want, and, and your Google example is a good one, right? Like it'd be well, one thing to say that they're basically like, what's it called? Dumping, like, like mm-hmm. spending them their way out of things. Um, and it also brings up the old, uh, the old Microsoft thing, right? Like, is it, is it really, was it really a disadvantage that IE shipped with the operating system? Like I never really understood that. And, and I, I listened to it. There's this great podcast called the uh, history of the internet. Uh, and I listened to one of the uh, earlier episodes going over the case where I think what they did is they sent Compaq a letter saying that they were going to pull their Windows license if Compaq stopped shipping IE on all of their desktops, which, again, it's, it's like kind of morally evil, but I don't really see why legally that's a problem. It's just sort of like, well, business. That's yeah. how it works. Well, right? I, I, I mean, and, you know, and yet... Our ruling was that that was like not a cool move. And, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the long game thing is ironically, this whole battle over Netscape and IE turned out not to be a big deal, maybe because it was neutralized by the Justice Department and everything. And it could have been a bigger deal. But in the, at the end of the day, there's no money in browsers, right? Like it wasn't really like what, what, what was the big deal was mobile and then maybe like cloud after that. But a browser was just like not really... Uh, not really an issue, but again, maybe it wasn't an issue because of the whole lawsuit neutralized that as a tactic that I could have used. But uh, you know, I mean, we're not lawyers, but you know, we can we can talk about things like energy. that. Allows us to be more entertaining because, man, I have read as we'll get to. I've read some recent legal documents. They are boring as shit. Bunch of <laughs> but but when 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 someone who enters a market is not motivated by the same factors as the other players in that market, they, you know, they can have an undue advantage and, but antitrust doesn't really understand that. So, so, you know, Google can enter, you know, the the cloud market and they can be like, Hey, you know, we, just because we have this, you know, lockdown on search and, and ad advertising, we don't know anything about cloud. So we're, we're the underdog here. Mm. And, And, and so, you know, they can just, you know, cap off anyone coming up behind them and, you know, and of course the other players in the space, you know, Amazon and Microsoft, they're not pure cloud either. You know, that's not the only thing they do, but um, you know, you have all these different players that are, are coming into these, these fights with, you know, essentially unlimited funding. And um, if you are an, if you are, you know, a newcomer into this field, you know, a startup, like, I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, I kind of, I, you know, I was at Mesoscon this week and I, you know, I liked what I saw, you know, there were a lot of big, you know, a lot of big shops using it, but, you know, Google is competing with, you know, Kubernetes is competing with Mesosphere, but Mesos, you know, but Mesosphere has to make money <laughs> and that's, what's different. Um, yeah. and, and so that, that, that would, you know, if I would, you know, I would be worried if I was at Mesosphere. Um, that you know you were you were competing with somebody who's not on the same level playing field, um, and, and I'm sure there are lots of other instances of it. And you know it's not the only fight in town. I mean, I, I had a, a nice conversation with a product manager for a product not even in the spa- in the in the you know the container ecosystem space, and he was like, "Yeah, there's no center to this ecosystem. You know, it should be it should be Docker. You know, the company." Mm-hmm. But they've done a, a fairly decent job of, of uh, alienating a lot of their, you know, companies that should be their partners because they're looking for 
you know, how do they monetize you know, what they've created? And, uh, you know, everywhere around them is somebody trying to monetize what they've created as well. <clears throat> and, and so, you know, the, the center is, you know, you've got Red Hat, Ubuntu, Docker, and CoreOS shipping different versions of Docker. Wait, what is, what is that, that, uh, that world? The container, the container world? world? Yeah. Uh, and you know. Where does it? So it's basically just the container technology on its own, not anything above or below it. No, I, I, I mean, it, 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 you know, when, when you think about, you know, the world of computing, you know, it's a bunch mm-hmm. of different, you know, neighborhoods or, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, spheres of influence. Sure. And, and so, you know, the, the microservices slash containers into, you know, the, the high end of past, the low end of, you know, data center operating systems, you know, th- that grading in between there, if you just call that, you know, the container ecosystem, there are, you know, dozens of vendors and, and, you know, they're all fairly new, uh, but then you have, you know, incumbents trying to g- get into that market, you know, like, you know, Google or Amazon or you know, VMware trying to you know, break into what is probably the next generation of, of IT, you know, where, you know, the re- that's the reason Docker got all the money is everyone, thinks that this is where the future is, you know, the future. Right, right. No, I, and, and I think, I think we'll see, but I think this is a good example of sort of like in a weird way of, of the, the ranting I was doing earlier. Right. So, so in this world, there are all these players, including probably the company I work for, although I yep. couldn't say for sure. We're kind of like, what the fuck? Right. Like, like we have, we have good stuff that people should be using that we get paid a lot of money for and unfairly, and I'm doing this in a, in a comical tone, unfairly, this other powerful entity is, is coming and traipsing around and messing it all up and making (laughs) my part. Right. And, and like, you know, while all of us in this ecosystem may complain about it, like it doesn't that we just complain. And then we like, you know, put on our, uh, our big person pants and skirts and, and kilts. And we just go out and try to fix it. Right. Like we don't, right. we don't go around and like carp about it and talk about how it's unfair. It's just like, that's part of the system that we have all decided to participate in, which is like, well, may the most conniving person who hopefully has the best product win. Right. <laughs> well, like, you know, and, and that goes back to the, the whole, you know, the best product doesn't necessarily have to win. And, and I also think we've entered an era where there is no single winner takes all. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think VMware is probably the last company that's going to carve out and monetize a large change in how tech is done. Mm, bold statement, Matt Ray. You <laughs> like should save that no, for our Matt December Ray, prediction. Because I think this kind of reop- like the, the notion that open, I would say like the open source myth, right? The notion that you can start a company, come up with a, a really, you know, um, great idea that's uh, quickly adopted by lots of people. And then that is the basis to start a traditional software company that you'll start, you know, sell licenses to or for that kind of technology or something related to it. I think that is the part that's sort of ending, right? Like, yeah. like if you look at Docker as a good example, it's like the choices Docker could have done is like, Hey, we can, we popularize this container format, you know, or at least the one that was most popular recently, they could have said, okay, we're going to use it. You got to license it. Right. That would have been a straight up, maybe would have killed adoption, but would have given them an incredibly strong business. But since they've not gone that way, right, mm-hmm. this is where I think if their goal is to make lots of money, right, then they really need to go. And this is, I think I'm just going to just completely rip off the Andreessen Horowitz thing. It's like the way to make money with open source software is to then take it 
and go solve some, you know, existing or new business problem. Like yeah. this yeah. kind of came up with like Steve O'Grady a long, long time ago said like, what's the first billion dollar software or open source company? And like Red Hat was thrown around in there, but really it's Google, it's Amazon, mm-hmm. it's, Uber, it's all these other guys. So I think, th- and I, I do think it's almost, you wish there was like some kind of kind of, way like the docker guys could have opted away from we was we're trying to make a billion dollars in software infrastructure and said like listen we'd like to run and be the caretakers of docker and but be neutral right let everybody yeah. agree on the standard and i guess these are the consortiums that do get funded sometimes but that oh, would yeah. be a much healthier way to kind of like <clears throat> technology going it, it, it would be healthier and and you know ostensibly that's what you know foundations some foundations are kind of set up to do. And the only, the only thing I can really think of that maps that to that in the real world is ARM. You know, ARM, you have a consortium right, yeah. that, that you know, they license out their technology to anybody who wants to play. And then, you know, they just keep raising the water level for everyone. But, you know, Docker didn't go down that path. Um, you know, they, there's, you know they, they took a bunch of VC money and they need to find a way to make their money back. And, and, you know, meanwhile, they're, you know, they're fighting with, you know, Google and they're fighting with, you know, uh, everybody else. And, and, you know, it's just a messy world that we live in. And I don't think that there's going to be a standardization of technology again. I, I don't think, you know, I think there's going to be tribes that emerge and I think that they're, they will continue to be changing very fast. You know, because pretty much every every like Mesos you know shop that I talked to was like, yeah, we might switch to Kubernetes, or you know, oh yeah, we might roll our own. You know, we might you know the the sorts of shops that are big enough to have you know two or three thousand nodes of Mesos of uh, you know DCOS, they also could go and hire four engineers to write their own. Right. And and, and so you know, how do you monetize something that can be quickly owned by somebody else? You know, or re-implemented by somebody else, that's that's hard. And so what you end up with is a lot of smaller players who, you know, they're going to have to lean on professional services and, you know, it's a slower route to becoming a, a unicorn software company. And meanwhile, at the top end, you've got your cloud vendors who they're not motivated the same way you are. And so as uh, Battery, Battery Ventures had a big open source powwow a couple days ago and and you know our ceo uh was quoted saying you know amazon has made much more money off of open source than anyone who's invested in open source you know this is at a battery thing so he's like you know amazon's making a lot more money off the things that you guys are funding than you guys are so i I remember someone tweeted that uh martin mikos had theorized that amazon made more money off of what was it, RDS, which I think is based on MySQL, yeah, right? Yeah. Then, then Oracle's made off of uh, MySQL, which, which, uh, which would be interesting. I think it just drives to a broader point, right? Like all of this stuff, right? I mean, everybody who's made all the money on open source is, you know, it's all these other companies, right? And I think that's the thing, like when you're starting an infrastructure company or project, right? Don't fool yourself into like, we're going to license this for lots of money to other people, right? Because it is, like you said, people are going to change. You'll be bought, right? It'll become a commodity. And I think it's almost like the next 20 years is sort of like the infrastructure will just 
you know, all these different projects will eventually get commoditized in standards form. And then it just kind of becomes like ingrained. This is what you do. Right. But it's, it's probably will take 20 years to figure out, like, I don't know which way this container management, you know, thing is the best. Right. It probably started with VMware before that and will go a long time. Right. Because it's such a important piece of the technology stack. Yeah. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we end this topic and do a mid roll? Matt Ray, I have read that in 260 more hours, something amazing <laughs> is going to be announced. What's going on? <laughs> well, uh, if you go to uh, bignews.chef.io, you can sign up for the webinar on the morning of uh, June 14th and find out. That's big news. Big news. Big news. Big. By the time by the time you listen to this, it might be let let me t- try to do some math. It might be around two hundred hours. But, <laughs> but recording this has been two hundred sixty hours, so I'm uh, there's a big countdown timer there. There's a countdown timer. I uh, think this is the only countdown timer I've ever seen for a webinar. So uh, <laughs> I like that. So so yeah, we're uh, we're announcing a new product, um, and uh, I can't really talk too much about it, but um, we've got. You know, the webinar on the 14th, um, I think uh, our founder, Adam Jacobs, given a keynote at DevOps Day Salt Lake City on the 15th. Whoa, um, announcing at Salt Lake City. Bam. <laughs> Bam. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to put together a, a meetup uh, event in Austin on the 16th. Mm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go out and talk about it a lot. So you got to sign up at bignews.chef.io. And then, and then while, while we're in mid-roll land, so this new format I'm trying to figure out, do, do ads in the middle. So we have our, uh, we've got our Spring One Platform Conference coming up in August 1st to 4th in Las Vegas at the Aria uh, Casino. I'll be staying at the Westin and uh, going there because I you know, stay at Starwood stuff. I can, the Westin is a pretty nice place to stay in Las Vegas. A little bit off the strip, you pass by this really sleazy convenience store and bar. Just one? <laughs> Actually, it's two. It's, there, there's a con- no, it, they're connected. It's, it's like a, a hybrid. It's a convenience store slash bar, which, you know, God bless Las Vegas. But uh, anyways, we just announced, I think, the full, more or less the full speaker lineup. So I'm going to be speaking there, giving my DevOps talk. And there's also a couple of uh, people that you may know from one of my other podcasts, lordsofcomputing.com. Matt Curry from Allstate and uh, Brian Gregory from Express Scripts, who will be talking as well about their their uh, cloud native journeys and how they're doing things there. Uh, so that's worth checking out. And then also, since we're a media sponsor of several DevOps Days, you, if if you go to uh, if you register for DevOps Days Minneapolis and you use the code SDT twenty sixteen, you can get fifty dollars off. They're like no percentages, straight up absolute, just like the cash that you get off. So, so there you go. And then, and then you can find this stuff and, and uh, everything else, one in the show notes, which will be at cote.io slash SDT64. Or if you go to cote.io slash promos, uh, I'll probably put the chef one there. We'll have them all listed there as well. So that ends the mid-roll. Wow. That, that, that kind of takes us off of, our, off of our game. It's like, how do we get back into talking about you know, stuff? What well, the- that's, that's why I am a professional. So oh. the, I, I, I was excited to see, uh, this is, these, these is sort of like, uh, my, my sort of like further field notes from corporate strategy land. So anyone who gets bored by that stuff, uh, just fast forward a little bit to the end where I recommend <laughs> things. But I think there's two things that are worth noting that have happened in tech corporate strategy land. One, I saw that Click, a BI vendor, 
not open source, right? This is the other thing about the whole open source stuff is it's largely just about infrastructure. Once you go up to the application layer, fuck all that shit, right? Like it's a, there's no open source in the app layer where all the, what, I shouldn't say all, but where a lot of the margin of money in software are. So things are actually pretty cool. It's just us Morlocks who are worrying about all this stuff. But anyhow, uh, those Eloys sure do taste sweet though when you make the klaxons cry out. I read that book recently. It's like 105 pages. Not as good as the movies. I mean, it's kind of entertaining, but man, those, those Jules Verne's and H.G. Wells books, they take a long time to start up. There's a bunch of like Englishmen smoking cigars like talking about stuff before they get to the action. But it is free. Anyhow, so uh, it looks like Tom O'Bravo uh, took Click Private for $3 billion. Now, why do I care about this? Well, one, there is a, there's an interesting overview from the M&A group at 451, which is publicly readable. And I, I had to do a big uh, project at one point in my career going over the BI space. And what would you do if you wanted to enter into business intelligence? And that table in there is pretty, pretty interesting because it kind of, if you think a lot about it, it charts out the various eras of business, eras of business intelligence. One of them was when, uh, what was it? Uh, I've forgotten now, but business objects and the other one, Hyperion or something like that, were independent companies and they got snatched up by SAP, IBM, and and Oracle. And that kind of ended the first BI era. And then we had this other era, which you might even call, uh, to steal a Gartner term, citizen coders of BI. So you you still have Tableau and Click and Excel and and the sort of minions of it, as they call it, medium data or small data, right? And... uh, Click is one of the the high flyers there. And now that they're going private, like I think usually when you think in corporate strategy terms, you have these market windows. If you want to enter a market, you've got a limited amount of time that you can lay your money down and profit off of it, get your IRRs and all that shit. But, uh, you know, this this is probably a good bookend uh, for what's going on in, in the BI area. Once once something's been taken off the market and you're going to kind of juice it up and extract some more cash so out. What's of your it. take on uh, Tableau? Okay, because I was that's like you my, know I I've only I've only messed around with Tableau a little bit, but uh, some of the people around here use it, and uh, it seems very popular. I I don't have the right kind of mindset. Uh, I found out multiple times to understand what you do with all of this stuff. Like I I don't know. I've never understood. Just like I don't really understand math beyond basic <laughs> logic. Like I don't really understand how you do data science stuff. And and uh, but I don't know. People seem to like it. Uh, people seem to like that uh, Tableau stuff. And and I think in contrast to the free and open source world, the world of BI is about as far as you can get away from that. It's extremely high priced. Involves people who they do code, but they don't code like we would know it. And uh, it's all closed source and uh, all sorts. It's it's the application layer stuff. But I don't know. People seem to like their BI tools. Well, I think it all comes back to like someone's got to build these PowerPoint slides and the PowerPoint slides always require lots of data and tables. I'm talking about internal slides, you know, the internal slides, all the reviews. Uh, And then, but you got to get them from somewhere. And that is where the business intelligence, to me, that's what drives like 90% of business intelligence. Um, And then there's the occasional like, hey, I'm actually trying to solve like some real problem and understand it and and analyze the data. But that's like 10% of what people are doing with it. Yeah. I mean, you did have Jasper in the open source BI space. What happened to them? Yeah, that's true. I think, didn't someone buy them? 
We should. Uh, <laughs> well, we have some show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Jasper software. <laughs> this Looking is always up. Jasper's like the, is uh, for all product managers. Anyone working product or anyone just in product general. Jasper's like your go-to for like, hey, um, do you do you have like a report that does like X? You're like, well, um, no, not right in the product, but we're gonna open have an integration with Jasper, and you just say that, and then you just move on and never do it. You just never do it. But like, uh-huh. you're, that's like your ultimate. <laughs> how you're like, Whoa, uh, that really customized. Here, here, here you go. Ever asked me? You go Jasper, and then you go next slide. That, that's Jasper, a, that's next slide. product management pro tip right there. It, pro it, tip. That's right. Say Jasper. Watching. Quickly go to next slide. Yeah, hand, hand wave. wave. So, so here, here, here we go. Here is here is how powerful open source is in the BI world. On April twenty eighth, twenty fourteen, Tibco announced it had acquired JasperSoft for approximately. $185 million. All right. And Tipco so, was, was, they've been uh, private equity too. Yeah, yeah. That's, so com- compared to, Click was just bought for $3 billion. So there's, uh, there's some. Uh, but I, I read some, like some, people felt like that was a, kind of a disappointment. I don't know how you took it, Cote, from in the news that, that investors or whatever, it was just sort of being picked up for uh, the multiple, I should say. Being paid wasn't, um, yeah, premium. So it was. So it must, they must be in some kind of distress. Was <laughs> three billion dollar distress? Well, but again, like if you're trading, I can't remember it exactly. Oh, were they public? Like, yeah. Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't like you got this huge multiple, which is what people always want, right? Yeah, and and, and then also T- Tibco has a, a much admired BI suite. At least back this was many years ago when I was studying it. They uh, they're interesting. Anyways, the world of BI fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and 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 speak, so to close out the notes from corporate strategy land, uh, I of course have nothing really to say about anything related to past or uh, soon to be present employers. But there was a court ruling in uh, Dell going private, which nothing to say on that topic. But if you get the hundred, if you read the first kind of like fourth of the hundred and fifteen page court document, if you're really into understanding how M and A's happen and acquisitions. <laughs> It's a very gripping tale. It's, it's it's a pretty clean narrative of like the uh, the original idea to go private, talking with people, getting bankers and consultants in, shopping it around, like all the mm-hmm. stuff that goes on, figuring out a value, and uh, yeah, you really have to be inter- interested in that stuff to pay attention to it long enough to read it. But it's it's a uh, it's kind of to the point that Brandon was talking about way earlier. Like you never feel like you get the real story of what's going on, and I feel like. Uh, you know, this is probably as real a story of that deal as as you'll ever find. So, so, so it's court of law. The the report starts a lot better than H.G. Uh, Wells. Yes, <laughs> there, there there's a very limited amount. There's only like one implied uh, part where people are sitting around smoking cigars. It happens very quickly. You know, but I, I gotta assume H.G. Wells ends better. <laughs> yeah, but but you know. Um, Changing gears a little bit, the uh, uh, the infamous, famous uh, Mary Meeker report is out. Have uh, uh, yes. you seen that? Yes. I, I have. Now, and this is the question I had for you guys, because I haven't actually read it yet. Uh, but it's, the, it's uh, how many slides is it? I think I noted it's that like down. It's like 200 some. It's, uh, yeah. Do I still so, have so let, let, let me ask, but both of you are in uh, more or less, you know, external facing roles. Not completely, right? There's a lot of internal stuff. So what do you do with this thing that happens every year? Like, do you, do you process it and like no. do something with it? I, 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 I think it's kind of like you read it and it just kind of flows over you and you're like, 
So that's how the world is working. You know, that's a snapshot of what the world might be looking like in general. It's because she, she, I mean, it's essentially like the, the, you know, we didn't start the fire of, of statistics where it's like, you know, internet, <laughs> phone, China, India, you know, us automotive. And you're like, wait, yeah, that's, it's, you know, that's good. Head. And, yeah. and afterwards you're like, I, well, what do I do with this? <laughs> but I think yeah. it is a, an interesting, um, if you kind of look at marketing in, in putting together slides, like the old trick, right. That everyone has been taught is you want to open up with some data piece of data that, that just draws people in. Like, it's sort of like, uh, you know, if you will, a catnip for human beings, it's like, you put a number up there, especially if it's sort of counterintuitive, like people, you know, they like they lean into your presentation, at least for a moment. And so once you know that, then you learn that like, Oh, you know what I just need? I just need interesting data. And you just start backing it out. Like, I'm going to go find a way to make this number interesting and right but that, that yeah footnotes but, about like does this really mean anything so when i see it i mean it's all i i totally do i fall for this every time like i immediately she had all the time people spend on these different sites and i was like wow this is fascinating and then i thought like how in the hell is she actually getting this like this would mm. be possible to like really get if you didn't have close contact with the actual companies and then have you know to to cote's point about like a legit statistician doing some real data analysis to like, is this stuff valid? So I do kind of feel like, well, I'm falling for this trap again. Like all this data on this slide could just be made up, but it'd be made up in like a really defensible way. They have spreadsheets, they have people, they have assumptions. It's like all legal, but it's probably not really right but, at all. But, but you got to watch the video because she does, you know, 230 slides in 20 minutes. <laughs> it's just like data data because because you know you're saying oh you you lead with your big teaser data and then you dive into it she doesn't do that this is but awful. isn't it like for her like the reason is it's just a branding event for her at this it point is, like, totally that's is. what people want like she just knows i have to give all this data out and then it's going to be cited like a hundred million times and they're always going to cite mary meeker report of 20s, whatever it is, 2016. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and then of course we're all going to be like, well, I don't know, man, what's going on with WhatsApp? We should look at the Mary Meeker thing, even though like, do you think Mary Meeker uses WhatsApp or uses, uh, that was one of our Snapchat. Like, I mean, really do you, I mean, do you think she uses any of these things Has any real, you know, practical knowledge of them? Well, if, if she, if she could, if she could cover her 213 slides and a 30 second Snapchat video, that would be phenomenal. <laughs> she could find <laughs> so, the whole thing. That would be. That would actually. Be she she cool. could do like a, a one of slash four hundred and seventeen vines. You mm. know. <laughs> well, was the net? I thought the biggest takeaway was uh, okay. Facebook future Google dying. Like if you wanted to like project uh, that it was like you know, I, I mean spending time on Facebook and Google search, and it's important. It's you know. I, I, yeah. Well, I I don't know if you can hear in the background, but my daughter's crying because I just asked her to summarize those slides for me. <laughs> <laughs> Her weekend is now destroyed, but you know, like, like no I'll, I'll, I'll have to, there is I'll, have no to summary. I'll have to look through it. But my, to answer my own question, the way that I use these slides is I, I, I guess you could call it responsible cherry picking and, and to, to, we haven't made a reference to it in a while, but as long as you have read and understood the halo effect and which kind of gets to, uh, I forget which fallacy it is. It's like the fallacy of ignoring other shit, right. And focusing only on the positive. I think that's the uh, Latin for it, if you translated it directly. Uh, 
But, you know, like, for example, there's one that I saw, like, Quartz exerted some stuff, and it, and it was going over the time it took to make $100 million in retail sales. Mm-hmm. And it took, like, you 14 years. And then Lululemon, that's the yoga pants people, right? It took them, like, uh, how, nine years. And then it took eight years for Under Armour. Now, Under Armour was, like, founded way back in the 90s, so things are a little weird there, if, if I remember. But whatever, right? The point is that it does confirm an intuition that, that we have that the speed of software as used to enable businesses to use some, you know, Mexican hat dance sorts of phrasing, like is accelerating, right? So you can look at some... Editing magic goes here. Well, we uh, apparently a backhoe cut out uh, Matt Ray's internet or something. You know, who knows? We, we, we don't even need to get into who that internet. How does it work? Right. But uh, so we're back now and we're just going to wrap up with the, uh, the recommendations. I, w- I, was, I was scared that we lost the recording, but, but hopefully not. So let's wrap up uh, this, this, uh, this episode. Why don't you start first, Matt? Because you've actually written down what your recommendation is. So Brandon and I can think about what ours will be. All right, all right. Well, I, I, I have two, two recommendations. Um, the first is uh, an article about the practice during the 60s of fake bands touring as other bands. It's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, apparently, uh, ZZ Top got their start uh, as a uh, fake version of the British band The Zombies because The Zombies mm-hmm. had disbanded, but they were popular in America and they were from the UK and nobody knew it, so... A couple of the guys from CC Top were organized to tour as the Zombies, and they played like their one hit, and then played their own songs. <laughs> and and huh. it's just, and and it's like there were lots of these things happening. It's kind of crazy. And, and and you know the the takeaway quote is like, it's the '60s, man. <laughs> but it, it's it's a great article, uh, even though it's on BuzzFeed. Um, and then uh, my my other my other uh, pick for the week is. So, uh, so Tribune Media. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brandon's already laughing. Go ahead. Yes, it's a good one. Tri- Tribune Media has rebranded as Trunk, <laughs> Trunk, with a lowercase Trunk, uh, short for Tribune Online Content, a- and Twitter has has gone nuts with this, and uh, it's just it it's so good, and and so. Uh, Go, go just read the hashtag, follow some of them. Um, but my favorite is the, uh, the, the tie-in between Game of Thrones and Trunk. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe it's just me. But if you like Game of Thrones, you like absurdity, uh, Trunk. Mm. <laughs> Hold the Trunk. <laughs> so, uh, now, now what? Wait, what? <laughs> Because I, I, I saw some people yesterday with this word tronk and, and even some like animated gifts from Tron. Like, like is, is this just a rename or was there also sort of like some strategy and, and stuff well, behind it? Like, well, oh, it the was, a, all, it like, was a, uh, a big rename. But then the press release, like, it's just, I mean, I, it's so funny because of the jargon. It's like, it, it has something about like, they're like an online, because they don't, they don't just say like, we're like a media company. They say like, we're like an online monetization uh, an aggregation uh, of new. I don't. It was just crazy. So people started highlighting that and yeah, then, content uh, curation and visualization yeah, focused to just just, benefit it, sixty million digital subscribers. Yeah, you're just like, what the fuck happened? 
journalist? Like, did they just write that? And they didn't. So, they, so that, sort of the, that coupled with the name was just like, that, like fire, right? Just like went crazy. And it just got just funnier and funnier. And then, of course, you know, the Tribune Company is actually one people, you know, held it in esteem, you know, like the Dewey, what is it? What was that great headline? People kept Photoshopping that, that in with like Tronk is like, and now on top of the newspaper. And it just, you know, it is, it's just like, you could see like where the strategy, like again, back to like bubbles and like a group of people in just a room, like not like testing anything out. They're like, this is going to be great. We're just going to position us for the new millennia. Like we're in. And it's just like, I mean, it just got decimated, just totally decimated. Um, yeah. Uh, instantly you're like whoa maybe we should have tested this a little bit we should ask you so. yeah another, uh, another fail fast success so <laughs> my i i've got uh i have a core recommendation and a sidecar or provisional recommendation uh my first recommendation i haven't had a costco recommendation in a long time but uh, recently, they're selling these shirts that are these short sleeve button up shirt. I think they're from like the vintage tailors or they're weatherproof, these weatherproof t-shirts. And they look like linen and they have a feel like linen, but they're not. Uh, and they come in various patterns and uh, I should have worn one, but I think they're great shirts. So you want to go look that up, go to their Costco and the, uh, the sort of like flea market of clothing that they have. You can pick up these shirts. I think there's about five varieties of the like 15, 14 bucks. And they're the weatherproof shirts. And, and they're good shirts. I've been watching a lot of uh, Bloodline in Netflix recently. So one, I'm looking forward to being an old guy with awesome hair, as that <laughs> article points out. And two, one of the core mysteries of my life is who are these people who can wear a shirt without an undershirt? Like, how does that pan out? And they all, except for the villain, you know, slight spoiler alert, except for the villain in that show, they all wear button at one, more or less, None of them wear undershirts. They'll wear an, uh, an overshirt with no button-up shirt, including Coach Taylor, who's just like, that guy, like, I hope I am, like, as awesome as all of his characters when, uh, when, when, I'm, when I'm older. Did I ever tell you I sat almost next diagonal from him on an airplane? That, that Kyle Chamberlain or whatever his name is, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, one, uh, to close that out, I'd like to, you know, that show is great for the old guy hair, as, as uh, Article Link 2 points out. And two, like, they let him wear a uh, button-up shirt, and he's in, he's in like, uh, the Florida Keys, and if he sweats, he just, like, sweats. No problem. But, you know, I think this, this notion of being able to wear an overshirt with no undershirt, oh, it seems like such a nice thing. So, my provisional recommendation is, uh, I haven't used this yet, but I ordered a machete from Amazon, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, endorsed by some sort of survivalist, that bear grizzly guy or what I, you know, whatever. And it comes with this delightful little fold-out packet of a survival guide, which just, that's, you can entertain yourself with that. But my son and I go down to the local creek a lot, and, you know, there's underbrush and growth, what with all the water we talked about earlier. And I'm looking forward to using the machete just to chop that shit down and, and have a, a path that we can go through. And, so and there's gonna, zombies you encounter. Yeah, and, and 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 of course, several of the reviews, the Q and A reviews, ask if it will work for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so far, the answer appears to be yes. Uh, and 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 also, I think more darkly, pragmatically, it asks if it's a good self defense weapon for convicts who can't own firearms. And uh, I think people answer positive to that too. I don't know how they tested this out, so hopefully, that's a more theoretic answer than a uh, practical one. So, what's your recommendation this week, Brandon? Well, my recommendation will take us back to uh, 
the uh, subject of business travel, which uh, I know everyone tunes in to hear about. I'm going to recommend the uh, a new backpack I got called the Tortuga Air. Now, this backpack was designed uh, not really to be a backpack at all, not about mountains or anything like that. These people have taken some time to figure out, like, what do you need if you just travel a lot for business and you want to just uh, wear a backpack instead of uh, lugging around luggage? So the thing that they've done that I like is they've made it so that there is a clamshell opening to your backpack, which makes it an excellent way to actually pack clothes. And my whole motivation was, is, uh, as we've talked about many times, you always want to fly your preferred airline with status, but there are times when that does not happen. And the curse of any business traveler is to have to check this gate, gate check a second bag, which you're totally fucked, and that happens. So this, oh. the hope is, uh, if you're going on like a three-day trip, you can pack everything in your backpack, along with your computer and everything you need, and it fits nicely under your seat. So if you get stuck boarding last, you can still get your bag under your seat and not have to check. So it's a little pricey, but uh, I think so far uh, I've, I like it and it's uh, allowed me to not take a second bag on several trips. Well, this is a timely recommendation. Not that I'm actually going to buy it, but because uh, I'm going on a little tour, tour of Poland. Uh, good Lord. Is it the end of this month? <laughs> the end of this month. And I managed to fly all segments on One, one World, on British Air and American, except one, where I'm, I'm flying out of Krakow to London on, on Lot, some Polish Air thing, which I think is a member of Sky Team. So I have been consternating, or it might be the other one, I don't know, the Star Alliance. Uh, I've been consternating on, on exactly what you're talking about. It's like, man, I, I, I trust my One World buddies. If I have to check a bag, it'll be cool. Like, no problem like this rando airline I've never heard of in an alliance I'm not affiliated with. I don't know what's going to happen. So I've been thinking maybe I'll have to go back to the Patagonia MLC, the old standby. And that way, I don't know. I'm going to have to sort this out. That bag does. <laughs> hmm. Well, as always, uh, speaking of being in Poland, if you want to come see me talk in Warsaw on June 20th, I'll be speaking at a meetup group there. And then also I'll be at Devox Poland, I think uh, later on that week in Krakow. Uh, talking a bunch of nonsense and uh, other stuff. So as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. You can find us at softwaredefinedtalk.com and you can get the show notes for this episode with links to all the stuff we talked about and even things we forgot to or didn't have time for. If you go to cote.io slash SDT64. Uh, and, you know, uh, I don't often ask for this, but if, if you can leave us a rating or a review in iTunes, that'll, that'll make us happy. That'd be great. It, it would be, it's always nice to see that. We actually have some wonderful reviews in there, and, and thanks to the people who, who have left them. But, uh, you know, we're, we're more or less at like 1,500 downloads an episode, and it'd be fun to get to 2,000. That would be enjoyable if we had that, that many listeners. I had, I had someone from a company come up and talk to me. You were there, Matt, and they, they were looking to sponsor the episode. And I think I fucked it up because I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we have like 1,200 or so downloads an episode. Never heard from them again. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe if, if I'm more coy about how many downloads we have or we have 2,000, we can have some. Uh, like, some we, have, we have thousands of downloads. Yeah, yeah. thousands, <laughs> thousands of downloads. Thousands thousand of downloads. Thousands of downloads. Yep, yep, yep. So there you go. We'll uh, see everyone next time. All right. Bye.